You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Hey, it's Lauren, Education Editor. Rikisha Baz was born to a teenage mother. Now, not only did he receive a college education, he's president of San Diego City College, one of the California community colleges that constitute the largest workforce training provider in the US. He's in Australia to talk at the Community Colleges Australia conference, so I caught up with him in advance of that. So I thought we'd start with the theme of your talk, and you say that there are a lot of community colleges that proclaim to be committed to equity and social justice, but few that actually practice this. And I was wondering if you can explain what you mean by that. Yeah, you know, I mean a a number of things, but uh, the foundation of what I mean is that uh, the employees of the San Diego Community College District, which has four four organizations, three of them are community colleges, one is a continuing education for adults. I happen to have the pleasure and honor of being the president of San Diego City College, one of the oldest community colleges in in the country. And when you look at our student body, which is largely uh, diverse, uh, the dominant population is uh, Hispanic. We're a Hispanic-serving institution, and I'm proud to, to say that when you look at our student population and you look at our employee demographics, um, while they're not spot on, um, the statistics or the demographics of our employees do in fact reflect the student population. And the reason for that is first, my chancellor is a, is a black woman, our board president is a Latina, and they carry out into our hiring practices and our priorities a commitment to social justice and equity. And so it begins at the top and has both horizontal and vertical integration into all of our institutional priorities. And so really it begins with hiring. And I can go you know, as much into detail as you would like, but I'll give an example. Uh, we have a diversity um, uh, uh, equal opportunity uh, representative who reviews all of our interview questions before a committee can move forward with an interview. And so we ensure that the questions are vetted for unconscious bias. Uh, we have a, a diversity statement that requires a question around diversity in every one of the interviews. Uh, we uh, we train our employees before they're allowed to sit on an interview committee about unconscious bias and cultural capital. And so those, that's just one of many examples where we carry out into practice this commitment to social justice and educational equity. How does that affect the student experience and perhaps even their life after graduation? Well, it, it affects them in a number of ways, at least our students tell us. One, that uh, they feel comfortable being in classes with individuals who they know are committed to social justice and equity. These are individuals who come from similar backgrounds. Myself, for example, I was the first person in my family to go to college. My mother had me at a very young age, and so I really not only understand, but I've lived a very similar experience as as my students. And that my story is just one of many examples of our faculty and staff and even for those who may have not had a challenging upbringing or a similar upbringing 
that commitment to social justice and equity, since it's carried out in the employment process, individuals who come to work in our organization know how serious we are about cultural capital. And so that allows our faculty to have empathy and understanding, and it really informs the curriculum development process so that our students are taking classes that are created from the onset with equity and social justice embedded in the curriculum. Uh, can you give an example of a course that has that? Yeah, um, we're one of the few community colleges that has both a Chicano, Chicana Studies Department as well as a Black Studies Department. Those are two programs that are traditionally found at the four-year level, and while we're not the only community college that has those programs, those courses teach American history from the standpoint of minority groups, and so it offers our students an opportunity to take history courses that are taught from different perspectives that are intended to encourage them to see role models in the history, um, knowing that our country was founded on immigrants. So you mentioned your background where you were the first in your family to go to university. How has this informed what you do, particularly in the community college setting? Yeah, it, it informs everything I do because as a, as a child of a teenage parent, my mother didn't graduate from high school, so it was great teachers and great mentors who helped me to ascend to the status of college president. And so I tell our students, I tell our faculty that I know the value of great teaching. Great teaching can overcome any uh, challenge, uh, excellence, high expectations, and so we I know the value of that as someone whose mother worked three or four jobs so that I could achieve a college education. But more than that, you know, I'm very fortunate to grow up in the United States where as a low-income high school student, I was also able to take community college courses. And so I've taken community college courses at three points in my life. First, as a high school student, using a program called Concurrent Enrollment, which allows high school students to take class, community college classes for free. Second, as an undergrad at UC Davis, I took classes at Sacramento State because it was more affordable to take those courses than courses at the university. So I would take courses in the summer, uh, in the evenings, during breaks, so on and so forth, so that I could get ahead. And then lastly, as an adult learner, before I was accepted into my doctoral studies, I had to take a statistics class, which I took at Compton College, where I was employed at the time. And so I, I absolutely am committed to a community college education and what it offers in the way of access to the middle class, high-paying jobs, career education, and ultimately a bachelor's degree. So you've spoken about some of the great things that are happening in community colleges, particularly the one that you direct, but what are some of the challenges that they're facing in Australia too, if you're across that, and do you have any possible solutions to those challenges? Well, the completion rates are something uh, that we continue to try to understand, um, you know, at, at, in the United States, we believe in access and, and, and allowing anyone who desires to attend a community college to do so. Uh, and while that is a noble um, opportunity, when we look at the success and completion rates of our most 
needy students. So in this case, immigrants, which I have to say I've been impressed with Sydney the short time I've been here. Uh, I've run into uh, quite a bit of immigrants, which I have to say I wasn't expecting, uh, mainly because I hadn't done um, had a chance to do uh, my research. And so uh, my college being a border uh, uh, college uh, on the border of uh, San Diego and Mexico, we, we serve a diverse population of, of immigrants. And so I can see just from a qualitative standpoint, the challenges that Australia must have uh, integrating immigrants. Since I've been here, I've seen Muslims, I've seen Asians, I've seen uh, certainly the Aboriginal population. And so this notion of a melting pot is something that we still have a challenge and an opportunity uh, to grow and learn from. And so in my own college, we have programs for undocumented students that allow them either to attend college for free or to attend college using in-state uh, tuition. I think that's a model that would absolutely work here uh, in Australia. Uh, we are in year two of our community colleges being free, uh, which is something that entices or serves as a carrot for people to want to pursue a college education. The education can be uh, very expen expensive. Myself, I left college um, with a master's and a doctorate with over $100,000 worth of debt. Uh, and that can be a uh, de incentive for people to attend. So knowing that community colleges, our students could attend the community college for their first two years for free is something that would re greatly reduce the cost of a college education. I think that is something uh, that would absolutely work in, in Australia. And you may say, well, free, nothing is free. When we look at the data in the United States, particularly in California, when um, the public invests, let's just say, a dollar into education, particularly higher ed, the return is somewhere around $4. And so while it may be free, what we're investing in is the future of the middle class and individuals being able to fill um, vacant workforce uh, positions that we know uh, are important, whether it be infrastructure, whether it be retail, whether it be hospitality, uh, there are large vacancies in these areas and community colleges have always served a role of preparing the workforce. I understand that in America, like in Australia, there's a move away from vocational education towards university education. What can we do to encourage more people to enter vocational education? You know, that's a great question. And as a college president, that's something that I spend a lot of time, this is a subject I spend a lot of time talking uh, to both high schools, parents, and my own faculty employees. And, and you're absolutely right. In the United States, I can pinpoint this challenge to Sputnik and our race to uh, the moon and the focus on science, which is absolutely imperative. We always need to focus on STEM and STEAM. But in order to build a spaceship, you still need machinists. Uh, and so there's an opportunity, one, to showcase these careers, two, to put vocational ed back into the high schools, and three, to have an honest conversation about the earning potential of individuals who work with their hands. And the way I, I tend to put it is that uh, I myself learned the value of career education when my air conditioning went out and I found out how much a, a technician working in HVAC will make or when my car breaks down and I have to take it to a mechanic. And so you start to have firsthand experience with some of these careers when you start to interface with them in your daily life. But more importantly, uh, my research background 
consist of a uh, theory behind social reproduction. And, and I won't bore you with a long ex- explanation, but uh, social reproduction, uh, the concept or the theory is that people are more likely to socially reproduce what they know. And so if our teachers in the high schools and our professors in the college primarily know four-year, then they're more likely to promote four-year because that's what they went through. But when you expose these individuals to high-paying um, career education professions, they actually become more aware of the earning potential. And something that I'm excited about is the fact that these careers don't require someone to go to school as long as I did or take out as much debt as I did. When you, so when you start to have a practical conversation about the earning potential, the number of jobs, and the likelihood that someone doesn't have to take out a large burden of student loans, uh, it starts to make a lot of sense to, to the average person. Most people just are not familiar with the careers that are associated with uh, strong workforce or uh, workforce training. This is a question not really on topic, but I've been following the Harvard Affirmative Action lawsuit and it, it raises questions of diversity versus merit. And I was wondering if you have any thoughts on it in relation to your position as a community college director. Yeah, you know, I, I absolutely do in a sense that I am a strong supporter of equity and diversity in the true sense of the word. And very often when we think of diversity, we think of race, culture, and gender. However, in my line of work, I know that diversity crosses a wide array of, of, of areas, uh, cultural diversity, gender diversity. But more importantly, above and beyond those things, are working with students with disabilities, lurking, working with students who are from different geographies, uh, different areas. Uh, and so I, uh, I believe that when we look at diversity more broader than race and ethnicity, uh, we realize that companies, in order to be successful, and, I, and we have examples of Amazon and, and, and a number of other companies that really celebrate cultural uh, diversity, that, that celebrate diversity beyond culture, race, and ethnicity, um, then we start to be able to understand that critical thinking and problem solving increases when you have someone that challenges your thought. And so there's a number of books and research out there that study models uh, where if you put a sociologist with an engineer, you're more likely to get a diverse solution to a problem versus a bunch of engineers getting together in a room and coming up with the problem. And so when I look at diversity, I look at it in the true sense of the word being broader than just race and ethnicity. So from that, I take it that you are pro Harvard's diversity policy, um, potentially anti the action against it? Yeah, I'm pro any organization, whether it be an educational organization or or a a business organization in the true sense of the word business, because colleges are businesses. But uh, I am in support of anyone celebrating diversity and allowing individuals who traditionally have been negatively impacted by the systems that keep them from being educated in places like Harvard or Yale or some of our prestigious colleges to to presenting opportunities for those that have been negatively impacted to experience these institutions. 
Is there anything I've missed that you would like to talk about? Yeah, just in general, the the role that community colleges play, and you know, I I have to say that I've been impressed with the organization of the community colleges in Australia. Community colleges tend to be an American thing. Uh, however, there are other countries like Australia that that do have community colleges, and as, I, as I've researched the community college system. Um, in Australia, or should I say the existence of community colleges in Australia, is very impressive to know that they're over 100 years old in providing opportunities for adults to access either workforce or higher education. And so it's refreshing uh, that Australia as a nation is taking on this challenge of how do we, how do we introduce a system of education that offers opportunities for everyone. Uh, being that there's a, a much larger immigrant population here uh, than I expected as a you know as someone who's visiting Australia for the first time, and so I really do commend um, the citizens of Australia for offering uh, a system of education that uh, will serve and it appears to have served as a vehicle for uh, people who have traditionally not accessed the middle class to do so. Yeah, in fact, uh, 60% of people with tertiary qualifications uh, get them from vocational providers. So um, although the sector is experiencing declining enrollments, it's still overall the top educational provider at a tertiary level. And I think sometimes it's good to just remember that. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and like I said, it's it's impressive. I'm actually about to visit... Um, one of the schools in the Sydney uh, area, TAF, I believe is the way you pronounce the name, and, and just looking at its website, it was very impressive to see uh, the number of programs that they offer uh, and that there is this commitment to uh, cultural diversity and, and access. Um, it, it's something that's impressive uh, to someone who has not had experiences with the system prior to visiting here. Well, it's great to hear that. Thank you so much for your time this morning and all the best with the conference. Thank you and I appreciate the opportunity.